Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. So I just want to say again, thank you. Uh, After coming back from vacation, knowing that the church was and always is in good hands. You know, I don't need to be here for the church to happen. I, I love being here. I want to be here for a long, long time. But, you know, the church happens because you are the church. You know, I want to thank also Dean Gilkinson for bringing the word a couple of weeks ago. And, and last year, uh, Reverend Dr. Owen Ross, who from our conference uh, center, who came to, uh, to preach last Sunday, you know, gave a challenging word. Uh, but, you know, sometimes we need to hear a challenging word. Sometimes we need to hear something that we may not fully agree with, but it gives us a human side of the story. I think uh, sometimes when we just watch the news or we rely on our own sources of, of information, things get really sterile. But when we actually start to see that there are children and people that are involved in what's happening and and actually hear accounts from people who are there to hear and see what's going on. It hopefully gives us different eyes uh, to bring that compassion, to bring that love that that Christ has so graciously given us. So I want to thank them for their work, and I want to thank my staff for all of their hard work over the past couple of weeks, you know, Wanda, uh, April, uh, Megan, who's busy preparing potatoes and salad for after uh, the worship service, Lori, Richard, Bryson, you know, the list goes on for our staff, but also for a bunch of volunteers. You know, you all know that uh, Jonelle is currently uh, recovering from surgery, and over the past couple of weeks, we've had volunteers in the office, and I just wanted to give a shout out to Glenda Arnold, Debbie Cox, B.J. Eggleston, Kim Perry, Sandy Kleinert, and Amy Larson. They're making sure that things continue to move forward, and I think they're doing such a great job. It's, it's a relief to me to know that the church is always in good hands, even when one staff member or the pastor is away. So just so thankful for all of that, and I'm thankful for all of you for all that you do to allow us to be the church. So as we prepare to hear God's word, I invite you to go to God in prayer with me. Let us pray. Dear God, we come to you this morning thankful that you have given us this church, given us this opportunity to extend your love and grace to each other and extend that love and grace outward towards those in our community. So as we take time to uh, listen to your word, We pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. You don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. I bet you a lot of you are sitting there going, well, Goodness gracious, we give him a vacation, and this is the first thing he says to us 
when it comes back, that you don't have what it takes. But here's, here's part of the good news, that, that that's a good thing, that it is a good thing that we don't have what it takes. Now, when you normally think of this phrase, you, you may think of this definition, that you feel that you are not strong enough or smart enough or fast enough to do a specific task. I tell you, that sounds like my whole life right there, especially when it comes to athletics. I am probably the worst athlete there ever could be. You know, I, I was cut from every single team. I, I was even cut from my high school golf team. How in the world can you be cut from playing golf? Everybody who signs up for golf makes the team, right? No, I am one who can say that I have been cut from playing golf. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy playing golf, that I go out and still do that, but you know, I just am amazed at just how good athletes are. And there are times that I wish that I could do that, but the fact of the matter is that I'm not good enough. I am never going to be good enough to be a professional athlete on any level. So while we may normally look at this phrase as a negative phrase, I want to take that phrase and over the next four weeks, unpack four different ways that, that we normally see how we don't have what it takes, but through the love and grace of Jesus Christ, those four ways gives us the truth that we are loved sons and daughters of God, and that we live in God's unshakable kingdom. So today we're looking at the phrase, you're not good enough. And it, it breaks my heart. I, I love the song uh, that, you, that the praise team just sang about how fear tells us these things. And unfortunately, sometimes when we hear that phrase, you're not good enough, it, it, it kind of bites inside and it makes us feel less than what God has created us to be. But our scripture for today is from Philippians chapter 3, and these are Paul's words that are used to help build up the church and build us up so that we can see the promises that God has for us. So I invite you to go put up your Bibles, if you have them with you, to Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 4. If you don't have your Bibles with you, of course, we'll have the words up on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul writes, we don't put our confidence in ritual perform, rituals performed on the body, though I have good reason to have this kind of confidence. If anyone else had reason to put their confidence in physical advantages, I have even more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I am from the people of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. With respect to observing the law, I'm a Pharisee. With respect to devotion to the faith, I harassed the church. With respect to righteousness under the law, I'm blameless. These things were my assets, but I wrote them off as a loss for the sake 
of Christ. But even beyond that, I considered everything a loss in comparison with the superior value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. I have lost everything for him. But what I lost, I think of as sewer trash, so that I might gain Christ and be found in him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, I just love this passage. I love this passage because it's Paul taking the opportunity to to toot his own horn, if you will. Paul gives us these lists of things to, to maybe make his listeners or his readers go, wow, that's Paul. He was, he was quite a guy, wasn't he? I mean, just think about all of these accomplishments and, and think about all that he was able to do. I mean, all of these, these pedigrees that he has. You know, I'm not only just an Israelite. I, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm not only a, a devout follower, I, I, I'm, I'm a Pharisee. I'm not only this, I am something better than that. But then Paul takes a turn in the, in the end of this passage. And when Paul takes his turn, he states that all of this, all of this is, is nothing. All of this is nothing for the sake of Christ, because what's more important is that Christ can be found in me. See, Paul knows that he's not good enough. All of his his accomplishments, everything that he has done, none of it, none of it matters. I I love one of the words in the Hebrew. The Hebrew word is, is skubala. Skubala. And, and, and this word is so much fun to look at through the different translations of, of a scripture. The, the Common English Bible, which is the scripture that I used uh, this morning, it, it translates that words as sewer trash. All of the things that Paul has, all of his accomplishments, is sewer trash. Now, some scripture, they like to to soften it a little bit, the, the New King James Version, that word is translated as rubbish. The NIV translates it as garbage, which I think is a little less offensive than sewer trash. But, you know, say what you will about the King James Version. The way that the King James Version translates this word, it translates it as dung, as, as dung or, or poop if you will, translates all of the things that, that Paul has done is just dung. It's nothing. Now, if we even go to the message, which is a, more of a paraphrase of the Bible, it doesn't stop at dung. It says that it's dog dung. So something even worse than dung is dog dung. For, for the people of Israel, to even come close to dog dung was offensive. So what Paul is saying is that all of these things that he has, all of these things that he has received, it is so worthless. It is like dog dung. Wouldn't it be great to be able to take a look at our lives that way? To know that all of the accomplishments that we have, all that we have, it's just just temporal. It doesn't really 
matter. It doesn't really mean anything. What matters is that we are called children of God. But you may go, well, Chris, what about these, these pioneers of faith that we have in Scripture, like, like Abraham? Abraham was, was the, the father of, of many countries. You know, we sing the song, we, we lift up his story. But we come across to a point where Abraham is, is uh, trying to give his wife away, saying that, that she is his sister, so he doesn't get in trouble. And then later, as Abraham is praying over Sodom and Gomorrah, as he's trying to bargain with God, in, in Genesis chapter 18, verse 27, he says these words. He says, I am nothing but dust and ashes. See, even Abraham knew in his relationship with God that, that he was nothing compared to who God is. And he knew that this bargaining with God about Sodom and Gomorrah didn't really matter. But he knew his place. But later in the book of Hebrews, we hear about how Abraham had such great faith that God credited to him as righteousness. If we move on into the New Testament, we look at all the disciples, especially the disciple Peter. Of course, Peter, we know that he was such a, a stalwart. He's somebody that we look up to. But you can see by this picture, as Peter was sinking down, he knew that he had nothing. And he had to reach out to God to save him. Even before this even happened, when, when Peter was called to be a disciple in Luke chapter 5, Jesus is out teaching the, the multitudes around, and, and Peter and the other disciples were sitting around their boats, and, and, and Jesus calls them out to go fish again. And, and Peter says, I, we didn't catch anything before. What makes you think we'll catch anything? And they go out and they, they bring in the, this massive catch that they had to call other fishermen around to, to come and, and help pull the fish in. And then in Luke chapter 5, 8, Peter looks at Jesus and says, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. But we know as Peter as the rock, as the one that Christ has built his church. Again, it shows that it's not what Peter was able to do, but it's what God was able to do through Peter. And finally, the author of our passage this morning, Paul. Paul, as we hear all of these great accomplishments that he has said, even he to his letter to Timothy, the first chapter, the first Timothy, the first chapter, the 16th verse, he says that I am the worst of them all, that, that everything that I've done has been considered loss, that I am the worst sinner. No one can out me. But God's love and grace has, has, has captured me and has set me free. So with three heroes of the faith, what does that say about us? What does that say about who 
we are. Well, well Paul gives us that answer. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, we see these words. It says, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And hey, Pastor Chris, when are you going to start getting to the good news here? Well, well, the good news lies in this passage. We can go back to that first slide, one before that. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. What do you see there at the end of that, that passage? What is that? Okay, God's glory. Now, I'm not a grammar person. You can ask Tracy or ask my staff whenever they have to prove stuff that I read. But what do you see at the very, very end of that passage? It's a comma. And what does a comma mean? What? A but is coming. Something else is coming behind it, right? It's not a period. My friends, sometimes we put a period at the end of this passage. And we say that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, and that's it. But Paul has more for us. Paul continues, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, comma. And then moving to the next slide, we see, but all are treated as righteous. Freely by his grace because of a ransom that was paid by Christ Jesus. See, we may not be good enough, but because of the ransom that was paid by Christ Jesus, we are good enough. God's love is for each and every one of us in this room. See, the good news is that we don't have to be good enough. The good news is that in the midst of our imperfect nature, in the midst of our sinfulness, God loves us and cares for us. You know, if you take a look at the Gospels, who is it that Jesus hung out with? He didn't hang out with the the Pharisees and those who thought that they were morally upright. He hung out with the sinners. He hung out with the least. He hung out with the lost. He reached out his arms to them and welcomed them into relationship with the Son of the living God. He welcomed them and said, you are here with me, even towards the end where Christ is hanging on the cross. And one of the thieves looked at him and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus says, even today, not a week from now, not after you you spend some time thinking about all that you did, but even today, right now, you will be with me in paradise. See, God is moving in and through us, and even in our imperfection, God grants us his love. Galatians 1, 15 and 16 says it this way. It says that God has set me apart from birth and called me through his Grace. We are called to God by 
God's grace. He was pleased to reveal his son to me, to all of us, so that I may, so that we may preach about him to the Gentiles. I didn't immediately consult with any human being. See, we don't consult with each other because we have the power and the love and the grace of Jesus Christ that that testifies to us so that we can then share that love with others. So my friends, you're not good enough. I'm not good enough. But thanks be to God that in the midst of our imperfection, God sent his son Jesus so that we may have life and have life abundantly. Would you please pray with me? Oh God, as we take a look at these words and as we understand that we're not good enough, that there's nothing that we can do to earn your salvation, but you give it to us as a free gift. I love in our young disciple time when we talk about birthday presents, the reminder, well, we just get our presents even though we don't deserve them. That's how it is with your grace. We don't deserve your grace, but you freely give. Not so that we can hoard it to ourselves, but then we can then freely share it for others so that people may come to know your love and grace for themselves and enjoy that life-changing relationship that comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. So God, as we continue through our week, strengthen us through your grace so that we may share your love with others. And we pray this in the name of the one who loves us and cares for us, Jesus our Lord. Amen.